0: Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the match of the day without porn noises to my match of the day with porn noises. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Justin, where does that rank on the greatest moments in football for you? It's it's incredibly high. It's as far as awkward... um, awkward pranks go it's it's just unreal um and we've all we've all been victim of it as well in really uncomfortable events whether you're on the bus train um on the tube or just sat around with family and you've clicked on a video an unsuspecting video no less and it's caught you out we've, we've all we've all been there and it's horrible it's horrible i can only imagine how, how awkward it was in the studio the thing is that noise now it's, it's the same noise that gets used in every yeah. single prank at this point. So even if I see someone else get done by that prank, I instantly know what's happened on their phone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're not watching porn in the pub or something like that. And whenever I've been done by it now, I just look up just with this dislo- displeasured look on my face, just knowing, knowing that I've been done. And Gary Lineker had that same look on his face, mm-hmm. uh, although his was actually, I suppose more of a what the hell is going on kind of thing. Is this just Mm. playing in my earpiece or is this actually playing out right now? (laughs) And it was great. It was wonderful telly and it was just some of the best bit of football action I've seen in a long time. I think um, Ali McCoy summed it up brilliantly on TalkSport is that they can't even cut to ads on the BBC. So Mm. they can't even just screw it away and get to the bottom of it quickly. They've just got to persevere, which is just incredible stubbornness as well and I think that's topped the moment off even better and I think the fact that it was Paul Ince and Danny Murphy two really serious pundits <laughs> they never break smiles when they're talking about football weirdly um, I just think that topped it as well, as well. It would be even better if Paul Ince took off his headset and said boom you've just been Paul Ince oh, yeah. and ran out the yeah. studio um, <laughs> even though he probably had nothing to do with it Um got to say the person who was behind it I have seen the video and he He seems like a bit of a charlatan, but we'll leave that there. Welcome to the number one championship podcast, he's second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Yes, we're looking ahead to the big games in the championship this weekend. Justin and I will each make our predictions on a banker and a big upset in the championship this weekend and see how we get on, see if Justin can improve his record. We'll also talk about some of the news from the past few days, including the sacking of Michael Appleton at Blackpool and which Yorkshireman may potentially be replacing him. And then we'll finish off with Diddy or Didn't He right at the end. So let's look ahead to the weekend, Justin. And the game of the weekend, without a doubt, is Burnley v West Brom. Two teams banging form right now. Both very much in the top six right now. And you'd imagine both will finish in the top six. Burnley in particular, look like they would be at the top of the pile in that particular top six. A proper thigh rubber, isn't it? Over the last 10 game, game weeks, these two have racked up 18 wins between them, which is... Incredulous form, really, into it? What are you thinking ahead of this one, PG Boy? I'm thinking it's it's going to be a tight affair. Um, I, I, I consider the fact, if you go back to that game earlier on in the season with Steve Bruce in charge of West Brom, and West Brom are actually by far the better team against Burnley. And I think Burnley were very early on in there, sort of working themselves out, trying to get to grips with the system still. Um, and they still did OK, but West Brom were... Um, we very good in that game. Um, they just did what they struggled to do on Bruce quite often: is put chances away and concede sloppy goals. Um, but you know, cut to now, and I think you know the West Brom train is finally rolling, um, and it gives Burnley a really difficult, um, a really difficult test. One that they've not had to face just yet, because I don't think they faced a team bang in form. I think maybe just Middlesbrough, um, but again, that was quite soon after the fest- uh, the, the World Cup break. Um, so you know teams are still getting up to speed but i think that's still probably the only team that they've had to face that have been in really good form the test against shefford united didn't go particularly well obviously um losing quite heavily away at uh, Bramwell lane um and i don't think this will be the same but yeah it'll be a tight game and i think um if Vincent company can um eradicate some of the complacency that set in last weekend against um it was coventry wasn't it yeah coventry um they'll be fine but i think we may be getting to that point where they start to believe their own you know abilities and promotion race maybe all promotion teams go through it um, and Burnley might be getting to that point well the best chance West Bram have of getting something from this one is by soaking up all the pressure Burnley throw at them Huddersfield's um, Corbrand's Huddersfield team of last season was brilliant at just sitting back absorbing the opposition attacks and West Brom will need to do that here because they're not going to outpass this Burnley side is simply just not going to happen Coventry showed at the weekend that it's possible to keep Burnley out for 80 minutes even though Burnley eventually won via a set piece if West Brom sit fairly deep have the likes of Jed Wallace and Matt Phillips ready to counter at a moment's notice, then I think that's their best chance of getting a result here. It is going to be tough because Burnley have only conceded two in their last seven league games, which mm-hmm. is, I mean, wow. But West Brom have enough individual quality about them to make the most of those opportunities with the likes of DK up top, who will be ready to pounce on any lapsing in concentration that the Burnley defence have. Having said all that, I can just easily see this being another win for Vinnie Kumps just because this Burnley team. They don't show any signs of stopping. Uh, Coventry at the weekend wasn't an amazing performance, but they're still just a ridiculously, ridiculously good side. They are. Um, I think it might, might... The only logic I can bring into it, because they've been so good, because they've been so efficient, is they've got to lose at some point or they've got to drop points at some point. Um, and when you come in up against a team get like West Brom, um, where... Again, if you're going for the title if you're going for automatics you say to those teams who are in good form and in a promotion race as well if we just take points off of them um that suits us uh, and i think it will be more of that mentality i think there'll be um i think obviously burnley will still try and play their game and West Brom will try and um try and manage the game as well uh, and i i think that's where it comes to a point where it's like okay i can see a draw happening quite easily um, so yeah, I think if if you know it's, it's that sort of game where um, both teams have got to manage <laughs> manage it essentially, um, and it's it's going to be a difficult one. I don't think there'll be too many chances, which is why I think it'll inevitably end in a draw um, because these games always do. They always flatter to deceive a little bit. I'm not sure it's inevitable. It will just end up being a draw, Justin. Um, but I think a draw would be a result which sort which suits both parties. I think Burnley will look at it and say, look, we've been winning game after game after game recently. We're miles ahead at the top of the Championship. A draw against a West Brom side who are also bang in form is OK. We can take that, whereas West Brom will be loving life if they get a draw against the team who have been far and away the best in the Championship this season. Having said that, I've seen so much of Burnley now that even when they're coming up against teams who you think, okay, this may be a tricky one. They've just pushed them aside and said, no, we're the big boys here. We are big, bad Burnley and we will keep getting three points whenever we want. And I just think that may be the case here again. West Brom, if they keep it solid and manage to keep out Burnley for 80 minutes or so, then they'll be fancying their chances of getting all three points at that point because anyone who keeps Burnley out for that long has always got a good chance of getting something in the end. And West Brom, as I say, if they're ready to counter at a moment's notice, then they can get something here. Because Burnley have shown that when a team does sit back against them, they have to really, really work for it. Even though they're so good, they eventually get a win in the end that they manage to get it over the line. But it does become a, a bit of a task for them. And West Brom are a very, very solid side, as we've seen recently under Corbran. But I, I think I'll go for a Burnley win in this one, Justin, because I just think they're far and away one of the best teams we've ever seen in Championship history uh, and they'll just keep doing what they do. What score prediction are you going for, Justin? Yeah, they're, they're an incredibly good side and they are one of the best um, or they can be viewed as one of the best at this moment. Um, but I'm, I'm going with a draw. I think West Brom will take points off of them and it's not, a, it's not a bad thing for Burnley. I just think at some point that run's got to end and as well as like they're coming up against a team like West Brom who are doing exactly what we expect them to, to, to do this season. They are competing for the playoff places. They're on a good run of form. Um, players are in form Matt Phillips may be injured but they've got quality everywhere um, so I think it will be a 1-1 one, one draw I think it will be a tight game Again, I'll go for a 2-1 win to Burnley I think West Brom will find the back of the net but Burnley have shown that that doesn't really phase him at all um, let's go to our bankers then Justin it's time for Justin Peach's banker ladies and gentlemen will the Justin Peach curse end I think it's is it 4 or 5 Preview episodes now, where you failed to get one right. I think we should also apologise in advance to whoever Justin picks here, yeah, because uh, <laughs> I don't think I'd be wanting to be the name that comes out of your lips right now, Justin. Yeah, I mean Luton fans. So I, I, I don't want to uh, encourage people to stop listening, but skip the next two minutes because uh, <laughs> I'm picking Luton to beat Wigan, and again, it's incredibly logical to pick Luton to beat Wigan. Um, uh, obviously, Luton are away from home. They're going to DW. Uh, but they boast the fourth best away record in the championship at the moment. And then you couple that with Wigan's home form being the worst in the championship. You'd make Luton heavy favourites, right? I'm asking the question. You'd make Luton heavy favourites, wouldn't you? Um, they've won back-to-back away games. Uh, so I'd be I'd be very surprised they didn't come away from this game with a win. Um, throwing Adebayo, scoring two games in a row. Um, and we saw last season, once he gets going, he's very difficult to stop and he's not quite had that um, that level of performance or that level of consistency yet. Um, and Rob Edwards is starting to get this attack to click, which is exciting. Harry Cornick's been in good form. Um, Morris is one of the best strikers in the division. Um, and then add to that again, Koro is still trying to get to grips with this Wigan team. He said that himself. He's still, he's still learning things about this Wigan side, his Wigan side. Um, and it's not, by, not his fault by any means, but Luton are just far more advanced than Wigan. So I'm going for the Luton win. So in that case, then I'll be betting on Wigan to win this weekend. Yes, yes um, that makes sense. Having said that, I've just looked at the bookies' odds. And the moment you said Luton to win, their odds have suddenly dwindled all of a sudden, Justin. So I don't know what's happened there. Um <laughs> My banker in the Championship this weekend is Watford to beat Rotherham at Vicarage Road this this Saturday at 3pm. Watford, a strange side. Before the turn of the year, the alarm bells were ringing because they put in these extraordinarily poor performances and then all of a sudden they just flick a switch and they're all right again. It's very weird. They've just won back-to-back league games against Norwich and Blackpool, the most recent one against Blackpool, ended up being fairly comfortable in the end, even if it did take them a while to break the deadlock. The main reason why I'm back in Watford though is because their new signings looked really exciting. Matthias Martins was a menace after coming off the bench and played a part in both of Watford's goals. He looks like he can definitely fill the Giao pedro sized gap in their team. And then Ishmael Akone looked like a good attacking player for midfield. He had a couple of good moments at the weekend as well. Plus Watford are a strong side anyway. We know this and they should be expecting to beat a team like Rotherham no matter what form they're in. And up until last weekend, Rotherham had picked up just a point from five games since the World Cup break. They had been the worst team in the league by miles, not just in terms of getting results, but playing terribly as well. That was until they beat Blackburn 4-0 last week, and a result which did come out of nowhere. It was a very strange game, though, and I thought the scoreline massively flattered Rotherham. Every shot they had seemed to just go in. So I'm not going to look at that game and say that's a turning point for Rotherham, I'll need to see a bit more for that to be the case for me. So I'm going for a comfortable Watford win this weekend as my banker. What do you think, Justin? There's just this anti-Rotherham agenda happening, isn't there? That's what Rotherham fans will tell us anyway. Um, but We've got another agenda against someone else. I need to keep track of all these at this point oh, yes. because oh, it's yes. hard to keep track. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, it's 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 um, a bit of an easy one. Rotherham's form has been terrible. The The Blackburn win was a... Um, I don't even know how to explain it. It was so out of the blue. Um, so, such a bonkers result. Um, and even then, they still didn't create a hell of a lot. They didn't have to because Blackburn were so poor. Um, but you'd expect the quality in this Watford team now to overcome other Otherham side who will be lacking, or maybe not lacking in confidence, but if, they, if, Wolfen, if, if Watford score first, certainly, certainly head will go down. Let's go to my biggest upset then, Justin. I've gone for Reading to beat Stoke at the Bet365 Stadium at 3pm on Saturday. The reason for that is because Stoke City are in trouble. They have been gradually getting lower and lower in the table. And I have no idea where it's going to end up. They've now lost three on the bounce. It is worth mentioning two of those defeats were to Burnley and Sheffield United. But it is just one win in seven for the Potters. The alarm bells are ringing in that part of Staffordshire and I've spoken to a couple of Stoke fans this week and they've been telling me they feel as if this is the worst Stoke team they've seen since pre-Pulis and I think there's some very good players here but they're all underperforming Dwight Gale for example we keep picking him out just in as a particular right. example but before Stoke his record at championship level was amazing and now he's gone to Stoke and can't hit a barn door so there's no clear style of play at Stoke and Alex Neil, Alex Neil must be wondering why he took this job. And most importantly for this prediction, Stoke have the second worst away record in the Championship. Second second worst home record in the Championship, I should say, considering the player in at the Bet365. Seven losses from 13 games. It, their last home game against Preston, some of the boos were deafening and it doesn't take much for the atmosphere to turn sour at the Bet365 right now. Reading travel there on Saturday, and we'll fancy their chances. They've been in steady form, just two losses from seven. Paul Linz's boys will run Stoke ragged and make them work their arses off to get anything from this game. It's worth mentioning that Reading's away form isn't great. It's the third worst in the league and no team has lost more on their travels than them. However, however, Justin, in their last four away games, they've won away at Hull and drawn away at Norwich. And they've got as good a chance of getting three points away at Stoke as they did in either of those games. So I'm backing a Reading victory here. I would have put this in a banker. I don't know why. Mainly because I think Stoke are absolutely terrible at the moment. Um, and as you quite rightly say, the atmosphere at Stoke. And I've seen quite a few Stoke fans become apathetic towards the team, towards the club. Um, mainly because matchday experience is terrible. um communication from the club is terrible. The team is terrible. There's just a mixture of just downward spiral there at uh, Stoke. And it's a massive shame. And I, I, I'd i have put this in a banker. I think Paul Ince has put together a team much you know, to his credit he's done a brilliant job he's put together a team who want to work harder than the opposition and Alex Neal hasn't got that yet at Stoke so I think even if just effort levels are, are a minimum requirement to win this game I think Reading will, will easily will easily overcome Stoke and I think Tom Innes, going back to the Bet365 he's bound to score a couple he's bound yep. to score a couple I hadn't considered that, but now you say it, yeah. Tommins put that on every single betting <laughs> slip you've got. Tommins, to score this weekend. The reason it's a it's a big upset for me, Justin, is because for some reason Stoker odds on to win yeah. this game, and I would not in any way, shape, or form be going anywhere near that. But we're not a betting podcast, Justin. Let's go on to your big upset in the championship this weekend. What you got? Going for that some that sweet sweet uh, craziness. I'm going for Hull to. Uh... Pick up, result for, pick up a result against Sheffield United. Whoa, hang on. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Here comes Justin <laughs> Sane. Uh-oh. Your alter ego is coming out again, yeah. Justin. Justin insane. What have you got to say to us about this one? Explain yourself. I don't think it's that insane. Um, I don't think it's that that much of a bonkers shout. I think Huller on an upward spiral, that's wrong. Upwards trajectory, you can't spiral upwards, can you? That's bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> this is what just insane does. He gets his metaphors mixed up as well. He's just so insane. He's so out of control. Yeah, let no, I me mean, just calm down. Let's just take a breath. Right, who to beat, Sheffield United, or who to get a result against Sheffield United? At the very least, um, right, Hull are on an upwards trajectory under Liam Rossini. They're, in, I think, they have off one in nine games under him, which is absolutely fantastic, and they're away form. Is actually pretty good. Um, they they're going to Bramble Lane. It's a it's a Yorkshire derby as well. So, I mean, it's it's a sort of Yorkshire. Derby. Both teams are in Yorkshire, but derby is a is a loose term. It's what Sky Sports would do to market this game. Um, but I think yeah, as they all have been steadily progressing under Rossini, They've tightened up. Um, they've become more difficult to create chances against to score against. Um, they've got an unbeaten run of a uh, a way run of seven games which took me by surprise but as I say this is Rossini just ticking over um, and I thought Sheffield United had some complacency setting against Stoke they they took the foot off the gas bottom highlighted it he wasn't happy with how things dropped off the control in the game went in the second half the third goal came at a good time because Stoke were knocking on the door and I think Hull have got quality to punish that um, that lacks in concentration from Sheffield United and I know William i has been back in training this week because he picked up a knock last week. But whether he's fully fit remains to be seen as well. So I just think this maybe lends to, um, or the narrative is lending to a, to a whole a whole result here. Um, I do fancy him to win. You've got Oscar a stupid and Bang in form as well. Um, I do think it'll be a surprise result nonetheless. I mean, it's definitely very just and insane. It's the <laughs> most just and insane pitch you can possibly do, picking a team to beat another team who have just won nine of their last yeah. 11 games but that's what Justin insane does he's just out of control people uh, let's take a quick break after that we'll talk about some of the news from the past few days including michael apperton sacking at blackpool Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. And now it's time for this. Yes, it's time for the news. And Blackpool have sacked Michael Appleton following a run of one win in 11 games. The Tangerines are second from bottom in the championship. The first thing I thought when I saw this, Justin, was what strange timing. Mm. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, uh, my my thoughts on Appleton are um, slightly sideways, mainly because I I do think he should have been sacked, but that should have probably been in the World Cup break, or at least straight after the World Cup break, when when tensions were as high as they were. That made sense, because the run of form was terrible, the performances were great. Um, but I do sympathise with him, because everything's just been set up for him to fail, essentially, which mainly... It makes you think you probably shouldn't have taken the job, um, but yeah, the timing is just is just bizarre. I think coming into January they needed to add quality into that squad. They did. They brought in Rogers and Bowler. Brilliant. You expect them to, um, yeah, to to start to perform now. They beat Forest four one in the FA Cup, which was a ridiculous performance and result. But the Watford game last weekend was just so flat. They, they, well, I thought Watford at one point were there for the taking, and Blackpool just didn't. Just didn't go for it. They just played it safe, and eventually they lost. Um, <coughs> unfortunately, I think that's why. I think that's why he's been sacked. He's just too. He's just too safe um, with his. He doesn't. He doesn't come out of his shell um, with the team, and there's a lot of quality in his team to do it, and he just doesn't. It's weird because they they could have sacked him during the World Cup, but didn't. That made me think they must be willing to give him a chance afterwards, and things still didn't improve. But then they still didn't sack him. Then they allowed him to sign three players in this window, and now they sack him. So I don't know why they didn't just do it before, but it's not really a surprise to see this whole experiment fail. I can't really recall a time when a club appointed a manager for the second time after his first bell went so bad. And mm-hmm. there are reasons why that doesn't happen very often. One being that he'll have to win around the fans even more so than any new manager usually would. And Michael Apperton's not the kind of guy who seems to care too much about what the fans think. So... That was always going to be a strange one. Should they be doing better? Well, Neil Critchley showed last season that it's possible to keep essentially the same side away from a relegation battle. Maybe with the signings of Bowler, Rogers, Tribal, he would have helped Blackpool pull away from it because I think those three signings significantly improve Hmm. this squad. But it was going to take a hell of a lot for Appleton to win over the supporters, even if he kept them up. And I'm not sure he would have done it. So, I suppose, if that's the case, there's no point continuing with him because he's not the long-term option and he's not really helping in short term, is he? Because they're not winning any games. So, let's move to apparently his successor. According to Footy Insider, Mick McCarthy is set to replace Michael Apperton as the new Tangerines boss on a deal until the end of the season and... That gives me a chance to bring back my Mick McCarthy impression, and I mean, I've been I've been working on it since you left Cardiff, Justin. I'm not sure it's any better. Uh, what do you think of this one? What your impression is? Yeah, it's terrible. Um, but the appointment or the potential appointment? Um, yeah, the, I mean, the long pause is, um, is one of know yeah, great thought. I think I'm I'm trying to think. I'm trying to. Um, spin it in a positive way I think he's got experience he's got <laughs> experience of navigating teams out of away from trouble Um but also I, I do think his style his style of play has been left behind by championship and uh, by the championship and I just think that there may, there might be better appointments I don't know but what you what you can expect from Mick McCarthy team is, is solid football and crosses into the box Um and that that may may or may not get results. I think the the benefits he had at Cardiff were he had Kiefer Moore at his disposal. Um but in the end they just they just stopped creating chances, relied heavily on set pieces. Um and that is you know, one of the main symptoms of why Cardiff is so poor now going forward is because the foundations were set by Mick McCarthy infor- unfortunately. Um so I'm I'm not I'm not convinced, to be honest with you. I like him a lot. I love him a lot actually. I think he's a brilliant man. But just think, maybe time is time is up for him in football. Right uh, well, in, in in the championship. I am a hell of a lot more positive about this appointment than you are, Justin. Blackpool need a firefighter. Mick McCarthy's ready. He's got the hose. He's got the uniform. Everyone's <laughs> questioning where he got it from, but he don't care. Get Terry on the blower. They need to keep Blackpool up. Mick <laughs> uh, is Mick is often kind of a jokey figure into he? because he's so straight to the point, and there's so many funny videos of him online, but. You look at his managerial record, you won't find too many experienced heads with one as good as his. He got promoted with both Sunderland and Wolves, did a very good job at Ipswich. The fans didn't like him, but as soon as he left, everything went to shit. Then at Cardiff, they were great for the first half of it, but maybe the problems there are a lot more, you know, drilled down to the core of the club than necessarily being down to Mick McCarthy. And, you know, things haven't gone exactly very well since he left, have they? Um, if Blackpool wants to get someone in to just keep them up, you won't get much better than Mick McCarthy. And I'd be fairly confident that they'd actually do it quite comfortably, especially considering how much the squad has been strengthened this window. So I think this is a bang-on appointment. This is exactly what Blackpool need. I'm wondering what will happen if he does keep Blackpool up quite comfortably. Will they give him the job in the long term? How would I feel about that? Not too sure. But if the job is this season... Just to keep Blackpool up, Mitt McCarthy is the man, and he will do that. I think. I, I agree, um, or I agree to an extent. I just worry that this the Blackpool back four, for example, is just not good enough as to what he needs. Like at Cardiff, for example, he had experienced heads like Aidan Flint, that was Curtis Nelson, Sean Morrison. Um, you know, these are these are good experienced players. I know that you know, Cardiff fans may disagree to, to to some extent, but they are solid defenders. Um, Whereas I think you know Ek Pateta is probably I think he's the only natural centre back. Thorne um, Thornley was a full back. Um, uh, yeah, there are other examples, but I, I do think there are you know, key problems here in in, in the team um, that probably stem past Mick McCarthy, and I'd like to see a different appointment. I'd, I'd look towards someone like Ian Everett for example. He's got history with the club. He plays an attractive style of play, um, and he's he's very ambitious. And I think this Blackpool team has potential to to. You know, become a very solid championship team, and I think that would be a good natural step for Ian Everett. Um But if Mick McCarthy is the man they want to go to go towards, I think he he's a, he's a natural progression from Michael apperton where it's quite rigid, quite structured, um, you know, very easily function um, with him in charge. So it, it makes sense on paper, but I just don't think um, I just I just think there are better better appointments out there for this team. They're proper. There are definitely better long-term appointments, but if the job is, you know, six months, keep the club up. Thanks, Mick. See you later. Then that's good for Blackpool. And I'm guessing that's what the board are obviously thinking. I've got a lot more faith in the Blackpool board to make a right decision than I have with other clubs who are down there. I think there are poorer-run clubs than Blackpool, and. If they think this is the right move, then I've got faith in them. Obviously, that that trust has been somewhat eroded by the appointment of Appleton, which always seems a strange one. But with this, I don't see why it shouldn't work, to be honest, as I say. Mm. Um, let's stick with the theme of managers, shall we? Dean Whitehead says he expects to still be in charge of Cardiff for their game against Millwall this weekend. This makes me think that maybe Neil Warnock isn't going to be getting the job just in but what Cardiff do I don't really know because they're they're not a club with barrels full of cash are they especially having Mm. to pay out to Nantes recently so where they go next is going to be really really interesting but maybe Warnock isn't the man that uh, we expected it to be in transfer news there's been a surprising lack of transfer news actually as far as I'm aware there's only been one signing by a championship club over the past few days It's January, guys. Give us something for us to talk about. We're we're scraping the barrel here. If it wasn't for Appleton getting sacked, this would have been a very short news section. Uh, Huddersfield have brought in Watford winger Joseph Hungbo on loan. The 23-year-old winger has made seven appearances off the bench for the Hornets this season. West Brom Chief Exec Ron Gourlay has insisted the £20 million loan the club has taken out won't be squandered. He's promised they will only make one or two signings this window. Any quick thoughts on that, Justin? Uh, what a weird thing to say. We're not going to throw money away. We need it. That's basically what that statement was. Uh, well, we are talking still- to Alistair last weekend, weren't we? And it sounds like this £20 million loan isn't just for you know splashing out on players. It's for the actual running of the yeah. club as a whole. So I think it's quite good that Gorley's come out and said, we're not going to be spending this on some bench warmer from the Premier League. Well, I, I thought it was obvious. I thought it was to keep the lights on, essentially, because... We know that the the money coming from the owners is has, has reduced. Um, so yeah, I thought I thought it made sense. So it's just it's just a you know why would you squander money anyway? It's just I don't know. It's just a bad bad choice of phrase. I'm just getting getting picky with the choice of words that Ron Gourlay used. I think um, he, he should have just said we're not going to um, spend extravagant amounts on bringing players in. That would have probably made a better statement rather than we're not going to waste this money. We need in. I think you're being very nitpicky, Justin, I don't know. And finally, of course, Mark Hudson was sacked as Cardiff manager over the weekend. Have you seen the video of him telling his kids? Absolutely heartbreaking, Justin. I, I don't think I've seen a football video which is really, you know really twisted my heart as much as that because I, I nearly shed a tear and then I, to make myself feel better I watched the <laughs> poor noise video match of the day again <laughs> but have you seen the video it's it's, it's it's horrible isn't it? Yeah it's um, I mean it, it, it's the human side of football and I think we can get carried away with so oh, you know this form sackable um, but I mean Mark Clinton says it himself you know that's football it's it's really cutthroat it is, it is harsh and yeah, kids don't understand it we, we just like our sticker books don't we i say we we, was, we were children once don't do it now um but you know it's, it's just it's just football unfortunately but yeah it's terribly sad and yeah just gives gives, um, gives insight into the human side of football management i don't know where you got sticker books from but we'll move on it's it is a timely reminder that these people are human beings aren't they and when fans react to a sacking with gifts of Mm -hmm. i don't know michael scott spraying champagne or Mm -hmm. spongebob squarepants with an erection it's it's worth (laughs) it's worth remembering somewhere there's a man who's got to tell his family that he's lost his job and i'm not saying that means we can't talk about a sacking or say sacking a manager was the right decision to make but perhaps some people will think twice after watching this video before celebrating these things like their sides just scored a last minute winner i don't know maybe i'm taking it too seriously but that's what i took away from it anyway um guess what justin now it's time for this Did he? yes sir you mind telling me why the hell you never mentioned this before Yes, it's time for Diddy or Didn't He. This is the part of the show where we have ten players with various connections to the championship and a club. All we've got to do is guess whether they played for that club or not. He's got to have made a senior appearance for them. We take it in turns to guess them and we keep the scores as the season goes on. This week it's my colleague's turn to guess and my turn to provide the players and club with the scores eighty one eighty to Peachy for the season. Justin, you want the first one? Yeah. Aaron Ramsdale and Wickham. Did he or didn't he? I was on Ramsdale's Wikipedia not too long ago and it's quite short so I'm going to say no. He didn't. You're correct. He had a loan spell at Wimbledon but not Wicca. Yeah. So if I if I went for Wimbledon would you have got that? Yeah, yeah I knew he paid for Wimbledon. Okay, fine. I was hoping you get them mixed up. One out of one. You're George Savile and Bristol City. Did he or didn't he? That's a tricky one. That's a tricky one. (laughs) Obviously, he came through at Chelsea, which is I think everybody forgets. Um, He was at Wolves for a bit. Pretty sure he went to Brentford. Who's the team again? Bristol City. No, no, I don't think he played for Bristol City. Seven appearances on loan in 2015. Tricky, that. Yeah, I I never, ever knew about that one. Next up, one out of two, Harry Toffolo, Portsmouth. Did he go, didn't he? It's his career pre-Huddersfield is just one of great promise, then dip, then recovering his career again and playing mm. you know, in the Premier League. So anything before Huddersfield is difficult. I know he played for Lincoln and Norwich, obviously, but Portsmouth, I don't know, but there might be several appearances on loan there somewhere. So I'm going to say no. You're saying he didn't play for them? <laughs> just going yeah. off your face. <laughs> Hang on, you said there may be yeah, some yeah, several appearances know, on then you, and then... You scrunched your face as soon as I said it. So I think I was leading, I was going down one angle, and then you were getting excited. <laughs> so <the mind laughs> what games are you was, saying? I'm saying no, he didn't play for Portsmouth. He didn't, made it up. <laughs> good, um, good. <laughs> I didn't realise this game has got so much about mind games now that I've got it's to poker make now. sure it's poker. I've it's got to I, have a poker face poker. constantly. <laughs> Two out of three. Ryan Yates, Doncaster, did he or didn't he? Doncaster's weirdly close to Nottingham. It's literally, I think it's just up the A46. I think it's A46 anyway. But you just M1, go through Mansfield. It? I, it might, I, can't, I can't remember, but it's literally just through Mansfield and you're there. Um, good road not, Mansfield. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mansfield's basically Nottingham. Um so I'm gonna say yes, loan spell. He didn't also made up. I know he played for Not County. Two out of four. Next up, Kazenga Loire Loire and Millwall. Did he or didn't he? He's a journeyman. He's a journeyman. No. He didn't. Made it up. So that's three out of five. Fairly good score so far. Next up, Craig Dawson and Borton. Did he or didn't he? Bolton? Borton. Yeah, he paid for Bolton. That's an obvious one. Is it? Yeah, he he was there and and Dougie Friedman was in charge. I think they signed him from Wickham or Peterborough. He had a loan spell there in 2013. Oh, right. Well, I know he paid for him. He oh. was very good there. I think you've uh, kind of looked up on that one. Um four out of six. Next up is Costel Pantillamon and Watford. Diddy or didn't he? Nah He seems to, to, to be a favourite. He seems to he seems to be a favourite of a Diddy or Dinty, doesn't he? Old Pantillamon? Yeah. yeah. long legs. <laughs> Yeah, because I remember saying I saw him in Nottingham once, and he's as long as he is, and you know as he on the telly as he is in real life. He's he's a massive human being. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? I can't remember any of the clubs that he's played for other than Forest now. So I'm going to just have to stab in the dark and say who was the team again? Sorry, Watford. Yes, he's there for two years and made two appearances. Who was he at? I honestly can't remember. at City, wasn't he? at City for ages, which just seems bonkers in hindsight. Um, and then who else? I don't don't know who else he played for in England. But there you go. He'll come up again then. Yeah. Next up, Jacob Butterfield and Crystal Palace. Did he or didn't he? And there might have been a loan spell there because um, he was at Norwich, wasn't he? Um, and then sh- he was shipped off quite a bit. So I think he was there for a loan spell for a month. Or two. Nine appearances on loan in 2013. You know when you do these and you think, "Oh, I've got some really good players here," and then the other person unravels just... quickly. Yeah. Next up, Jonas. Oh, it's a six out of eight, by the way. Next up is Jonas Gutierrez and Swansea. Did your or didn't he? Wow. I can only picture him in a Newcastle shirt. Which seems too obvious. Um, this is a psychological one. This is a well. If I say this, then it's going to be the opposite. Um, so I'm going to have to go with my gut, and I'm going to go with he did play for Swansea. Completely made it up. Didn't happen. Mm, that was often not was so easy as well. You just think these things are so easy. Some of them are so easy. You go, no, he's not that stupid. He's not going to put that in there. You were. He did. He did have a loan spell at Norwich which I was going to put in. But then I thought, but then mind games, I was thinking, I thought you might say, that's such a stupid one that he's got to have played for them. Um, (laughs) That's how uh, hard drilled this game is now. Uh, So six out of nine. And your final one, Justin, is Ivan, Tony and Walsall. Did he or didn't he? Ivan, Tony and Walsall? No, he had so many loan spells before he went to Peterborough. Um, But I can't recall Walsall being one of them. So I'm going to say no. Made it up. So, seven out of ten is your score this week, Justin, which is a very good score indeed, considering how poor we've been recently. That means the score for the season now is 88 80 for the season. Justin Peach got a healthy lead there, I would say. Uh, so, there we go, ladies and gentlemen. This has been the second tier podcast. Thank you for listening wherever you are. We'll be back again on Sunday to go through all the games in the Championship coming up this weekend some proper thigh rubbers in there so we look forward to reviewing them all again and talking about how Justin has once again failed to get a prediction right in the preview (laughs) episodes so this has been the Second Tier Podcast I've been Ryan Dilks I've been Justin Peach and as always a big big thank you for listening